0: Hello and welcome to the premiere episode of the Truly Twisted Minds podcast. I am Amber. And I am Trish. And we are super excited to begin this journey which combines our love of entertainment with our love of true crime.
1: And in the spirit of both, we decided to dive right off the deep end with um, one of the most infamous cases out there the Manson family murders
0: now just to let you all know this is going to be a two-part episode because of the extent of information available to provide to all of you
1: right and on a personal note we just want to dedicate this episode to the families of all of the murder victims of um Manson and his followers
0: absolutely my heart goes out to all of them i know that it can be a terrible terrible loss in the most average of situations let alone having a sensational sensationalized um case like such as this
1: yeah and having them go so brutally is just wow
0: has to be completely traumatizing yeah so the first murder that occurred was of gary hinman he was a 34 year old music teacher who had befriended the manson family the year before Mm -hmm. he had opened up his home to them allowed them to stay in his basement um he had even given guitar lessons to Charles Manson and he had given music lessons to another member of the family as well um so he was just a super nice guy that you know he thought these people were his friends and they were cool and he wanted to you know do the best he could to help them out at one point it was said that Gary Hinman was offered to become part of the family, but he declined due to his um, Zen Buddhist um, religion.
1: Which I completely understand. I mean, I guess they never really understood the whole like commune living thing, you know, giving up all of your possessions and
0: falling falling in line with one like leader yeah someone who told you what to do at every turn and and
1: the fact that like so many of these kids some not even kids i mean some like in their mid 20s would just follow this guy well, oh,
0: the, the you gotta remember there were a lot of drugs involved too
1: this is true
0: and these people had been turned away by their families or had hard times and this guy swooped in and basically said that you know i'll take care of you i love you you know you just follow me mm-hmm. and i'll show you the way exactly. i'm jesus christ blah blah blah, blah all of those things that charles manson believed of himself which yeah not the most sane cat out there
1: no and personally i don't think i would have believed a little five foot two man to like promise all of these things it's like
0: No. (laughs) It's hard to say what you would believe, you know, being naive and
1: the time
0: and the fact, you know, like I said, drugs involved. Yeah. Someone showing you affection that you never received before or felt like you never received before.
1: Puts you in a vulnerable position. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, apparently it was reported that um, the Manson family had um heard that Gary Hinman received a windfall of some sort to mm-hmm. the tune of $5,000?
1: I believe it was said. Yeah. Between like 5,000 and like 30,000. Yeah, there were, there were there. different
0: reports of it. Yeah. And Manson claimed that Hinman owed the family the money and so they decided to go and collect. So
1: began three horrendous days for poor gary hinman
0: yes so this started about um july 25th of 1969 um susan atkins mary bruner and um bobby busolet arrived at his home in with the uh intent to get this money from him when he Showed them that he didn't have it, even going so far as to show a bank statement saying he only had, like, 50 bucks in the bank at most. Um, They began to torture him. They ransacked his house. Um They essentially forced him to sign over his cars.
1: Yeah. He, he had, had two. two
0: vehicles that he gave to them. Yeah. And he, you know, he just wanted to get out of this unscathed the poor man
1: yeah
0: but um the abuse continued and um bobby Bousley beat him up um they he was bound and kept had a guard at, at all times mm-hmm. so he couldn't escape and um Um, I believe the second day, at some point, Charles Manson and Bruce Davis arrived, and um, the situation was not of their liking, and Charles Manson apparently tried to chop his ear off?
1: Yeah, with a sword. And, And some reports say that he did cut his ear off, but I've seen other reports that he just sliced his face The left side of his face, so right, right. I mean, I guess it's who do you believe? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at any rate, he got worked over really, really well.
0: And then he was stabbed twice in the heart and left for dead. Mm -hmm. They used blood, his own blood, to write "political piggy" on the wall, and then they left the house.
1: And then this was to basically in the beginning to start the whole race war
0: supposedly yeah and try to blame it on the like Black Panthers and mm-hmm. start a war between whites and blacks which he believed would you know come to the end of the world where Blackie quote unquote his word would be in power and then he'd come up and show them the he, way, quote yep, unquote. And, the and
1: family would come out of hiding, and
0: they'd be, the black people would be their slaves. Yeah. Really twisted, dude. Um. So but, he was Gary Hinman was killed on July twenty seventh of nineteen sixty nine, but his body was not discovered until July thirty first of nineteen sixty nine wow and um it was reported that um there had been a visit out to spawn ranch what the 29th 28th
1: yeah somewhere in there um completely unrelated and um one of the police officers had actually known gary and had recognized his car
0: But he also knew that he was associated with the family, so he didn't think anything was um, suspect. So he didn't pursue anything further because he figured he was probably just there.
1: Yeah, and he didn't find out until way later that uh, Hinman had even been murdered or murdered by the family.
0: Right, so um, it took several days for anybody to be blamed and that happened on august 6th of 1969 um when bobby busley was arrested because he was found in the other vehicle that belonged to gary hinman and apparently um they found bloody clothes and a knife was found in the wheel well of the car
1: which is really stupid if you ask me it's like okay you're going to hide a weapon up in the wheel well of a car and then i believe he was driving erratically and that's why he got pulled over in the first place right right it's like
0: and then oh, of course okay. he was arrested and booked for the murder of Gary Hinman mm mm-hmm. um and then, what, three or four days later? Not even three days later, the next murders occurred. Yes. Which and... would be the murders at the Tate
1: home. Mm-hmm. 10050 Cielo Drive.
0: Oh, that's pretty good that you memorized that. Yeah. So, and vo- the... People in the home were Sharon Tate, um, Jay Sebring, who was a friend, mm-hmm. um, Abigail Folger. Heirs
1: and to the coffee fortune.
0: And then Wojciech Farkowski.
1: Her boyfriend.
0: Her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Who was a friend of Sharon Tate's husband, Roman Polanski. Yes. So they were all in the home, you know, enjoying a night together, mm-hmm. hanging out, um... I believe, who was it that was, was it Jay that was supposed to be staying while with her because she was pregnant?
1: Yeah, she was actually two weeks away from her due date.
0: That is just tragic.
1: And um, Abigail and Wojciech were also there just to keep her company while Roman was actually in Europe uh, finishing up a movie. And he was literally going to be home in a matter of days.
0: Oh, man. And then to come home to that tragedy. Mm, I I can't even. Poor man. So essentially, it was um, decided to target this home because of the fact that they knew the person that lived there beforehand, uh, Terry Melcher.
1: Who was a prominent record producer.
0: And because he did not procure a record deal for Charlie, Charlie was mad. Right. So he wanted to cause him some fear reportedly, according to one of the other Manson followers, Mm -hmm. Susan Atkins. Mm -hmm. Basically they said, um, they were to go to the house where he used to live and they were to kill all of the occupants of the home so that it would send a message to Terry
1: Melcher. And he even knew that Terry wasn't even living there anymore, I believe, right?
0: According to Susan Atkins, they knew he didn't live there.
1: That is so crazy. So these people literally died for nothing.
0: Just as a... um. Scapegoat to cause fear in this other gentleman who wow had lived there prior because oh, lo and behold, little Charlie didn't get his way, right? So they go up to this house, and um, Tex climbed a telephone pole and snipped wires, which were reportedly the telephone wires and utility wires, Mm -hmm. and then they um drove up to the house or drove up close to the house and then they walked the rest of the way right um so they ended up climbing up a over a fence and went into the property
1: yes and that's where they came across uh steven parent
0: who was the first victim that night and he was driving home le- driving to leave the property after visiting his friend who was the caretaker
1: yep william garrettson the caretaker
0: who lived in the guest house
1: yep he had wanted to sell uh william this uh clock radio which william decided he didn't want
0: oh right okay i remember hearing that
1: ironically the clock radio stopped right at the time of the murder
0: I'm assuming a bullet must have hit it or something.
1: I'm not sure, but I just, I remember reading that somewhere and I was like, okay, that's creepy.
0: Well, there's no mystery as to when it occurred then.
1: Exactly.
0: So basically, Tex stopped the vehicle and put his gun on this poor kid and um, it was reported that the boy said, please don't hurt me. I won't say anything. And then Tex shot him four times. <sighs> And he no, passed away in his car.
1: Was not even necessary. Right. Wow.
0: It was just a wrong place, wrong time scenario for mm-hmm. that poor guy.
1: And I would have to say that the overall tone of this, of these particular murders, is overkill. Mm-hmm. And then they proceeded
0: to the house and they cut a hole in the screen and then pulled it off the window so they could go in a window.
1: Yeah. I don't know why they didn't just pull off the screen, but okay, whatever.
0: Um, text went in the window and then went around and opened the front door for the girls. Yes. And reportedly when they got in the home, they had no idea there how many people were inside.
1: Yeah, they didn't know how many people they were dealing with or anything. And um Wojciech was napping on the couch. Mhm. So he was the first one that they had encountered. He had woken up and just kind of waved at him like, "Hey, what's up?" It's like, oh, okay." <laughs> Personally, I'd be like, okay, who the hell are you and what are you doing in my house?
0: (laughs) Exactly. Now, the perpetrators inside the home were Tex Watson and Susan Atkins and Patricia Cronwinkle.
1: That's correct, yes.
0: And um, Linda Kasabian was left outside um, as the getaway person.
1: Getaway driver, yep. But she actually, once everything started going sideways, she had gone up to the house to see what was going on and had actually almost ran into a bleeding Wojciech Krakowski who came at her and was like, help me, help me. Exactly. She would later testify. So you've got Wojciech Farkowski in the um, living room, and Susan had gone down the hall and had passed um,
0: Abigail Folger's room.
1: Yes, and she had waved at her, mm-hmm. and Abigail waved back, you know, not thinking anything of it and then had gone into uh sharon's room
0: Re- uh, just to add to that before we go further mm-hmm. reportedly from susan atkins herself she said she went in abby l folder's room and she put her book down and looked at her and smiled and waved and um then she realized that um sharon tate and jay sebring were in the other room but they didn't see her um, and she looked back at Abigail Folger and said, What are you reading? Essentially, they had a small conversation.
1: Okay, wow. Was and not then aware of that. she <laughs>
0: returned to the living room and told Tex that there were three more people. And then he uh, told uh, Sharon, or excuse me, Susan, dang it, too many S names, mm-hmm. um, told Susan Atkins to tie up the man that was on the couch. Which turned out to be Wojciech-Werkowski.
1: Right. And then I believe everybody was brought into the living room. And at first everything was okay. But then panic started to settle in. Um, Wojciech and Abigail had gotten free from their binds. And um, escaped out the door. Abigail going one way. She went towards, I believe, Sharon's uh, bedroom, and then Wojciech went towards towards the, the pool. gate or the
0: pool. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or that could be the other way. I'm not sure. <laughs> but either way, they're both outside.
0: Right, right.
1: And it was um, Patricia Crennwin Cole
0: that. Reached, followed
1: um abigail and stabbed her
0: and then tex followed um void so it is interesting to note like interesting in the most crazy sense that abigail folger was stabbed twenty
1: twenty eight 28 times i believe it was yes she was stabbed 28 times
0: which you know was extreme extreme overkill
1: very much so and Wojciech was not only kicked in the head he was pistol whipped shot twice and stabbed 51, 51. times
0: the 51 sheer
1: times. the
0: sheer amount of overkill is astounding and these people didn't stand a chance
1: to even do this to someone you don't even know right, is just mind-boggling. I just, I don't, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And then you go back in and jc bring was shot once and then stabbed uh
0: seven times
1: seven times and then um he was doing everything he could to protect sharon who you know obviously very pregnant very
0: pregnant and very vulnerable
1: mm-hmm. and
0: apparently these two when they tied them up they were tied together and then the rope was thrown over a beam
1: yes a beam in the living room and so then it, it appeared that um like when they were found it appeared they were hanged but I don't believe they were. They were actually hanged. I, th- I think they were just tied together. They
0: were just tied together.
1: Yeah. And then as um Susan's stabbing Sharon, Sharon's pleading with her for her know, baby's life. I'm pregnant just let me have my baby just let me have my baby and she just looks at her bitch i don't give a
0: i don't care about your child
1: don't care about you you are nothing to me
0: it was even reported by susan herself that she contemplated cutting the baby out of her stomach oh wow
1: and which actually i think i heard somewhere that had they done that the baby may have actually survived
0: well yeah if it was that close to her due date mhm but unfortunately that wasn't to be
1: no very sad
0: So after these people were deceased, they used Sharon's blood to write.
1: Susan wrote Sharon, or excuse me, Susan wrote pig in Sharon's blood blood on the front door. And then um, when the maid came the next morning, she was the one that discovered the bodies. Mm Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine the kind of trauma that she went through Mm -hmm. having to see all of that. It's like,
0: and she reportedly ran up the street, street screaming murder and murder bodies, bodies,
1: blood. Yeah,
0: because she was just hysterical after Mm -hmm. seeing what happened, and she refused to go back in to identify anybody. Essentially, right. Well, I mean who blame who could blame her? I wouldn't wanna go in there either.
1: Oh, absolutely. And then um it should be noted also that during the killings there were actually several people in um Benedict Canyon that had called in about um noise complaints like people screaming, gunshots, that sort of thing. But they
0: just didn't know where it came from. They couldn't pinpoint it because of the canyon and the mm-hmm. echoes exactly. and whatnot, and it, I guess it was reportedly a really quiet night, mm-hmm. and then the the screams and gunshots basically disrupted the night.
1: Right, and then when um, Winifred Chapman, the housekeeper, when she found um, the body, she went to a neighbor's house and they called the police and then the incompetence start
0: yeah they um began the case like barney fife and ended that morning like this barney fife
1: just the incompetence absolutely like okay if you don't know the logistics of the case it's like when you hear this, you're just going to be like, what the hell? <laughs> so the police get there. And I think they were just the regular like police. They weren't like detectives or anything. Correct. Just,
0: they like... were um, officers in uniform.
1: Yeah. So they use these keys to get into the gate. And then um, they pass the lock, not the lockbox, but the um, gate thing to like push it to open it you know like the the button the button yes (laughs) (laughs) and there's blood on the button
0: so what do they do say hey there's blood on the button and then one of the officers pushes said button ruining the fingerprint that was there
1: the fingerprint and eradicating any fingerprint it's like
0: and the incompetence continued. They walked through the home. They, without proper gear to protect the scene, they trampled all over things. Mm-hmm. They had people more than just the police going in and out. they had taken um was it Romans business it was manager?
1: Roman's business partner, yeah. and he actually had to go in to identify the bodies. And then actually, um before he had gone in, the police had notified um, Sharon Tate's family. And at first, it was, um, they were going to ask Sharon's mother to do it, but she oh. couldn't because completely hysterical. Yeah. And then um, her sister.
0: had her sister, like, offered to do
1: it? She came, like, you know, this close to having to do it. And I believe she was a teenager at the time. Yeah. And um, luckily, um, Roman's business partner was contacted, and he was the one that made the um, discoveries or identifications. And for a very long time, it affected him, which...
0: Understandable. Yeah. So in the end, they ended up finding the groundskeeper, William Gerritsen, in the guest house. Mm -hmm. And reportedly, he was very lucky to have escaped with his life because they had prowled around there, but the door was locked and... They They didn't
1: try to get in, which I thought was kind of weird.
0: Yeah, apparently they heard a dog too, right? That was one of the reports?
1: Yeah, and then the dog, I guess, was barking when the police were, you know, roaming around and um, the caretaker was heard saying, you know, be quiet and then, yeah, that's when they nabbed him and then they immediately um, thought that he did it. Yeah, they
0: immediately took him in and
1: even though you know have no evidence
0: (laughs) well i mean i guess you know you're on a property where everybody but you is dead
1: yeah i suppose but
0: you gotta think about it like this poor guy is like i don't understand why i'm not dead right uh was said later yeah which that has to be some heavy duty survivor's guilt
1: yeah wow But at least he was cleared after only four days because he passed his polygraph because obviously he had nothing to do with it.
0: Exactly.
1: And with that, we
0: will conclude part one of this two-part premiere episode. And we will cover the rest of the crimes in the next episode.